Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're so glad that you came to church on this Palm Sunday and next Sunday is Easter. We'd love for you to be here. We have some great things planned, an Easter egg hunt right after for all of of the kiddos. And man, we just love for you to be here and invite some friends to come with you. If you're here for the first time, welcome uh, to Passion Life Church. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, we are going to conclude an amazing series that we have entitled The Voice. We've been talking about hearing the voice of God. For us as Christians, it's so important that we hear his voice. And I just get excited that God would speak to us. Anybody else excited? I mean, that he would take the time. I think about this all the time. God does not have to talk to us. God doesn't have to take the time, but he does because he wants communion with us. He wants to love on us. He wants to help guide you. And we've talked about all these things. And today, We're going to talk about what I've entitled a new language. You know, the last couple of weeks we've been focusing on how you are a spirit. When God created you, he didn't just create a body. He actually created you as a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, and you have this temple, which is the body, which is the flesh. And God wants to speak to your spirit. And today, your spirit is so excited to be here in the presence of God. Sometimes it's our flesh and our body that's like, well, you know, I'm just tired. But your spirit is like, yes, I'm in the right place. Because your spirit wants to connect with God's spirit. That's what you were made for. But also, your spirit wants not only to connect with God, but your spirit also wants to pray. You know, we can pray with our, what I call our natural understanding, which is a prayer, like maybe you say before you eat, or a prayer over your family, or praying that the Chargers will win someday. Come on, somebody. And, uh, but you know, your spirit wants to pray. And today I want to talk about this whole truth that God has given us about our spirit praying, and uh, what the Bible says about speaking in tongues. You know, before, thank, I'm glad nobody left when I said that. All right. There's so many misconceptions about speaking in tongues, and we are a spirit-filled church. We are that, and I. Uh, and there's so many things when I talk about this with people, they they don't understand fully what that fully means. And so today, I want to explain and break down, and in a way that's maybe a little more methodical for everybody to really understand why did God give us this gift, this new language for you. And then after the service, we're going to dismiss. But on upon our dismissal, if you would like for us to pray with you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we would love to to do that. And so I've titled today a new language. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, and uh, Jesus is ascending. You know, it's pretty amazing. Not only did Jesus die, but he rose from the dead. But my favorite verse in the Bible is that there were many infallible proofs. People saw him. Disciples saw him. He was on the earth, and now he's ascending back to heaven. How many of you know a person's last words are pretty, uh, pretty important? And so he's talking to the disciples here, and he's, he's ascending. And this is what he's saying in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And as you're turning there, just today there's going to be a lot of scriptures. Because uh, I want you to know this isn't stuff that I made up. So I'll have you, we'll stay in Acts. But I'm going to refer to some other scriptures. And you can just write those down, write some points down, and look at them later. Are you, are you awake this morning? 
All right, today I'm going to do a little bit more of teaching. I may, I may preach because I just can't help myself sometimes, but I'm a preacher teacher. I like to teach, but I also like to preach. So if I get excited, I'm just warning you in advance. But today I'm going I'm to be a little more methodical, a little teaching. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, let's talk about this new language. And being assembled together with them, the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say that with me. Say to wait. It's a hard thing to wait. I'm still working on my patience. I, I, I don't like to wait. But he instructs them to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Who's talking? Jesus is talking. And then in verse 5, it says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit many, not many days from now. Let's skip down to verse 8. And then he said, but you shall receive Power. Everybody say that with me. Would you say power? power? Could you say it like you got some? Let's try it one more time. Power. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a time in your life, in your house, or maybe in your car, that you ran out of power? I remember uh, probably, I think it was a year ago, we got a notice in the mail that they were building some things in our city. And so there was a time frame where the power would be shut off. I did not realize how much I relied on power until the power was shut off. Let me just remind us, when there is no power, there is no television. How many of you know that is, that, that's a lot for a man? Ladies, there's no curling irons, right? Right? There's no frizzlers. Anybody still use the, people aren't doing frizzlers? Okay. I mean, there's just none of that. There's no light. There's no microwave. Oh, come on, somebody. No microwave? How are we going to eat? Right? No oven. No lights. I, I forgot. There's no lights. And God help us, I couldn't charge my phone. There was no power. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life. I don't know if you've ever experienced it in your car. When your battery dies and there is no power, you are stopped dead in your tracks. And so for many of us as Christians, a lot of times we can get stuck and we don't understand why. Some people like to use this word. You know, Pastor Phil, in my walk with God, I feel like I am plateauing. I feel like I'm just on the same level all the time. Well, it can be today that you are missing the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to break down some things today because I want you to see how essential this power is to us and to the disciples. Jesus said some things that I think are so important. I think everything he says is important. But when we start talking about this new language and the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to notice how important Jesus says that this is. He actually told the disciples to wait. Listen, he says, I don't want you to be witnesses without power. He says, when you get the power, then you can be my witness. See, one of the things I've learned about God is that he always equips who he calls. And so every time God wants you to do something, he will empower you to do it. He doesn't ask us to do things in our own will and, and, and honestly, oh, I got a witness. It's so awkward. It's, that's not what he's asking us to do. 
What he's saying is that before you become or before you witness, I want you to become a witness through the power I'm going to give you. That's why he thinks it's so important that he tells the disciples, I don't even want you going out and witness until you receive the power. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the disciples. They saw miracles. I mean, they've, they've seen it all. I mean, they were with Jesus. And yet Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, as Jesus is ascending, a lot of people think, well, Jesus is ascending. Maybe that means the work that he did is stopped. He's ascended. No, actually, do you know what? That when Jesus ascended, he wants to give us the power so his work can continue in the earth. So let me say that this morning, God's power and God's work, Jesus's work does not stop because he went to heaven. It actually continues because now he gives us, the believers, power. Come on, can you say a good amen this morning? You know, John chapter 14, verse 12 says this, Verily, verily, I tell you, whoever believes, now who is this for? Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing because I, and even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And so at Passion Life Church, I want to just encourage us, you need to see yourself as a person who God is not only working in, but God is working through. See, this is how God works. He does a work in you so he can work, do a work through you. He wants to do something in you first, and then once he does that, then he can do something through you. Let me, let me, let me break it down even worse, even, even better. You cannot give to somebody what you don't got. So God will give you a got so you can give. I know it's not correct English this morning, or, but I'm trying to make a point. Some of us can't give because we don't got, so God will give us a got so we can give. So he gives us the power to be witnesses. Now that word witnesses in the Greek actually means somebody who has witnessed firsthand. Now, we could say that of the disciples, right, that they would, they have visualized, they, they spent time with Jesus. But you and I have never really seen Jesus in his physical form. But I will tell you this, we are witnesses because how many of us today, God has done something in our life. You have witnessed his power. Let me see your hand. You've witnessed him doing something in your life. And so what's important is people need to know that. And so he's going to give you the power to do that. Now let's break this down a little bit more. Notice what Jesus said. He says, I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. So Jesus is now calling the Holy Spirit. It's a promise to you. I'm promising to you that I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Just let me rewind real quick to last week. Last week we said, why did Jesus ascend to heaven? Well, when he was in the earth, he could only be one place at one time because he was in a physical body. And his desire was that he send the Holy Spirit that could be everywhere all the time, 24-7 with you everywhere. And so as he ascends to heaven, he says, I'm going to send you the promise. This is my promise to you that I will send the Holy Spirit. And then he says, listen, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And then he says, because when it comes and you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's going to give you a power. I looked up that word power in the Greek and that word power actually means a supernatural strength an ability to be capable of. 
And so when that power comes on the inside of you, the power is to be a witness. And so now we understand the Holy Spirit, Jesus says he's the promise. And then he says this, he says, it's a gift from God. See, the Holy Spirit is a gift and being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a gift, just like your gift of salvation. When you get saved, that's a gift from God. Anybody thankful for that gift? Oh, I'm so thankful for that gift. Now look, in Luke chapter 11, Verse 13, I want to unravel some misconceptions and things that I hear Christians say. I have literally gone, gone and had debates with Christians over biblical things, and I'm just like, you need to read your Bible. So here's one of the things that's always said. Speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for only certain people. Okay, so let's see what Jesus has to say. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to who? To special people? What does it say? To those who ask. Anyone who asks in faith, God will give the Holy Spirit to. He will give the Holy Spirit to. Well, Pastor Phil, I'm saved. I thought I already had the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is why I love you. You guys are so intelligent. Thank you for asking that question. I'm so glad you did. I just knew you would because you're so intelligent. That's what I love about you is you would ask me this question. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. I have the whole, I am saved. Well, let me explain how the Holy Spirit works so we can understand. Because yes, you do. Let's talk about the workings of the Holy Spirit. Number one, guess what? The Holy Spirit, when you are a sinner and you are not saved, here's what he does. He starts to draw you. He starts to woo you and draw you. John 6 verse 44, it says, no one, no one can come to me unless my father who sent me draws them. So if you are here today and you have received Jesus in your life, guess what? The Holy Spirit has been working in your life already. So you, what a privilege. God has drawn you to himself. I love when people say, well, you know, Pastor Phil, I just found the Lord. I found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus wasn't lost. You were lost. Jesus found you because you were lost. So you didn't find him. The Holy Spirit drawed you to him. Woo, right? Because let me just say, it didn't start with you. See, that's religion. Religion starts with a person. Religion is man's way to God. God wanted a relationship. And so whenever it starts with you, it's religion. But when it starts with God, it's grace. And so with God's grace, he's wooing people. Let's rewind it back to last week. Remember, what did we say? What does the Holy Spirit do to the world? The Holy Spirit convicts the world of what? Non-belief. They're not believing. So the whole time, the world, he's saying believe. He's drawing them. Come on, believe. And then it comes down to your decision whether you will believe or not. And so when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have now responded to the first work of the Holy Spirit. Now, some people call this the three baptisms. Okay, maybe you've never heard this before, but I want to explain it. We're not going to get hung up on big words today. I don't want to do that. But listen, Paul says in Galatians, he says this, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. When you receive Jesus, for all of you who were baptized into Christ 
have clothed yourself in Christ. So when you receive Jesus, guess what? Jesus is in you and you are in him. Come on, say amen. Amen. So wherever you go, he goes. So if we could say that's the first baptism, right? You're you're baptized into Christ. The second baptism is what? Water baptism, right? Jesus commanded it. He said in Matthew 28, verse 19, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So water baptism is important. Now let me say this, because it's important. We have people in our church today that come from different denominations, different backgrounds. Some people who have never heard stuff like this. So I want to be elementary today because I think it's important for us to grow. Now, water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit are not heaven and hell issues. Today, if you walk out and say, you know what? I think I'm cool. Don't want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. What is the criteria for you to go to heaven? The criteria for you to go to heaven is to be repentant of your sins and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right? And so water baptism, I like to say for all of us who... uh, get baptized. Baptism is an outward act that demonstrates your inward faith. And listen, I don't know what it is, but Jesus said it's important. And I've watched people get baptized and they go under and we dunk them at this church. Some people we hold down just a little bit longer because their spouses tell us to hold them down. And then we bring them back up, right? And what happens? It's significant of, right, Jesus going down, right, and, and dying for our sins and resurrecting and leaving that new, leaving that old person in the water. And you come up. And I've watched people come up and crying. And I mean, there's just something about it. Jesus did it when he came. And I believe he did it as our example. So there's the water baptism. Listen, if you haven't been water baptized, we have one scheduled. I think it's April 10th. Go to the website. You can sign up there. And all the criteria is, is if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, sign up. We're going to give you some more teaching that day and we will baptize you. It would be an incredible day. Let me also say this. If you don't remember if you were baptized, well, Pastor Phil, somebody sprinkled some stuff on me when I was a baby. Listen, if you don't remember that, that's okay. You can get baptized again and do it so you know. And I'm just saying, these are things that people ask. And they're like, well, if I got sprinkled on as a baby, should I do it again? Because if I do it again, does that mean I'm going to hell? Like everything's about heaven and hell, right? Listen, no. It's about you. I've had people like, I need to do it again. Well, do it again. Do it as many times as you want to do it, man. But let's, let's come together. And that's the second baptism. Are you with me so far? So here's the third baptism that Jesus calls being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts chapter 2, it says this. And I want us to understand, before I go to Acts, let me say this. So here's the difference. Let me illustrate it to you. There's a difference between me drinking water. I drink, man, that's good water. Anyway, so if I drink water, there's a difference between me drinking water and me jumping into a pool, right? Big difference. So I like to say it like this. When I get saved, the Holy Spirit does this work, right? He comes on the inside of me. It's one thing to drink the water, but it's a whole nother thing to jump in the pool. But here's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. When you receive Jesus and you receive Jesus and then you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or let me say it this way. When you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit is resident in you. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now takes precedence over you. So now I'm drinking some water. Jesus becomes resident in me. 
I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I am jumping in the pool. Thank you. I appreciate that. I worked hard this week. (laughs) Or I like to say it like this to break it down. When you get saved, God gives you a car. It's an awesome car. When you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, God puts gas in the car. Because that's the power that ignites the engine. And see, listen, today I'm not coming down on people who haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons I know that God asked us to start, um, to, to start Passion Life Church is because sometimes you don't hear about this, unfortunately, on Sunday mornings in churches. And I believe that God has given us a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to have it. And I want you to enjoy the gift that God has given us. Acts chapter 2, just flip over, chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Now, so Jesus has ascended, right? Watch this in verse 2. And suddenly, can you just say suddenly, everybody? One of the things we've taught you here at Passion Life Church is sometimes God will move in a suddenly in your life, Right? Once you're broke, and that's no joke, and then suddenly you get your tax refund. Come on, somebody. You're at a whole nother level. Thank you, Uncle Sam. Right? He can work in a suddenly. You're single, and suddenly you're not. God can do something, right? So in this particular uh, verse, he works in a suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and guess what? It filled the house where they were sitting and they were they and listen then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and one sat upon each of them and in verse 4 and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now i want to remind us of something who are these people if we had a level right Like, let's just say my Christianity, Phil, right? And let's just say Peter. Peter was a disciple. Like, dude, you've seen Jesus. You walked on water. And here I am, Phil, right? I would say he's got like a lot of influence, a lot of respect for Peter. But if Peter needed the Holy Spirit, so do we. Because of everything that he saw and experienced, Jesus thought it was important that Peter have it. How much more important that we have it? And so his Holy Spirit fills the room. Now watch what happens. When the room is filled with the Holy Spirit, what is the, if I could say it this way, what is the result? What is the reaction? They begin to speak what the Bible calls other tongues. And I want want you to hear this. Look what this says, okay? And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, okay? So here's what happens. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, God is not going to come inside your mouth and grab your tongue and go, And I know that's funny, but we, people get afraid. Like, what, what if I go to work and all of a sudden God like grabs my tongue and it's, it's uncontrollable? C- come on. You think God's going to do that to you? Come on, we bear his name. God wants to look better than that. But here's, here's what I think people don't understand. It says they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing is I speak. I begin to open my mouth. 
As I begin to open my mouth, the Holy Spirit will give me utterance. But listen, it's my mouth, it's my tongue, it's my voice, but it's the Holy Spirit giving me utterance to speak what he wants me to speak. So you could go like this. Today we could pray for you and you could get filled with the Holy Spirit and you could go like this. And you know what? God's not going to do anything. But if you will begin to open up your mouth, guess what? That's when your spirit starts to pray. It starts to pray. It starts to pray. And notice, they began to speak first and the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. And that's your voice. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the gift that God has given us. Now, watch this. I'm gonna go through some manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Let me use another word how it's displayed, because people don't understand this. Let's look at the first manifestation. This is in no specific order, but watch and listen to the power of the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts chapter two, verse five. You're right there. Let's go down. It says, and there were, so here they come out, right? Here they come out. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in other tongues. What is the reaction? Let's look. Verse five, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, what sound, right? The sound of them talking and and the multitude came together and they were confused because, listen to this, because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are these not all or don't they all speak Galileans or aren't they all Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Jump down to verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues. Listen to this. The wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, listen, they are full of new wine. So watch this, because right here, we see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and we see tongues. Now watch. So they come out, they're speaking in other tongues. That's a miracle, right? Receive the Holy Spirit, you speak. There's two miracles here. The disciples, the apostles are speaking in other tongues. And here you have these innocent bystanders looking at this room and people come out and they're speaking in other tongues. But guess what? That's not what the people on the ground heard. Guess what they heard? They heard them speaking in their own languages. So they were speaking in tongues, but it was heard in their own language. Now, let me say this, because I've heard people say this. Well, when they came out of there, they were speaking in other languages. No, when they came out, they were speaking in tongues, but a person over here heard it in their own language. And guess what they heard? They heard them speaking the marvels of God in their own language. So let me just encourage you just real quick. Because when these things happen, I love that it's in the Bible that it says they were speaking the marvels of God. When God is moving, he's always pointing to himself. He's never pointing to man. So when there's things that are happening, say, well, God's moving and it's a man thing. No, it's a God thing. It needs to be God. And what they were doing, the focus wasn't on the tongues. The focus was that they were speaking the marvels of God. Now, this is pretty amazing. I was talking to my dad about this. My dad 
I was born in Guadalajara, Mexico. Doesn't that sound sexy? Guadalajara. And so he used to take us, and I remember going to Mexico, and that was when Lucha Libre was really big, and they used to sell the masks, right? And this was before Nacho Libre came out. Man, when Nacho Libre came out, man, I, I had, like, flashbacks. I was like, man, I, I remember. It's like, I think I went there. So my dad, when he came over, he didn't know English. And so he met my mom. My mom was white as Casper the ghost. She's Polish, Italian, and my dad is Hispanic, Hispanic, like Ricky Ricardo. I don't even know if he's Hispanic. Maybe he's Puerto Rican. Oh, it was fun in our house because my mom wanted to relate to my dad. She didn't know Spanish, so she called him Mita. Mita means look. It's like, hey, Mita, hey, Mita. And right, so she would call him that, and then my dad would try to speak English, but when he would get mad, he'd revert back to Spanish. But that's how we all learned Spanish when he yelled at us. We, we, we learned. We just learn. But I was talking to my dad about this whole thing. And he said, because he's got a doctor in, in theology. My dad is Dr. Valdez. That's so awesome. Right? Dr. Valdez. And I always make fun of him because when he's around, I'm like, Dad, my knee hurts. He's like, I'm a doctor in theology. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. All right. Oh, my back hurts. I'm a doctor in theology. Not a real, that kind of doctor. He said that when he came to the States, him and my mom sat in a service and the pastor was preaching and he couldn't understand English. Now get this. But as he, the pastor was preaching in English, the Holy Spirit was translating everything into Spanish for him. And so as he told me yesterday, he says, you know what was the, the most incredible thing is that when he was preaching, I understood every single word. And guess what? He gave his life to God that day. And see, this is what I'm talking about. It's not so much speaking in other languages. It's about speaking in tongues. And here's what God will do. God turned that whole, he was speaking in English, but my dad heard it in Spanish. And these are things that happen. There, there are many testimonies. I could tell you testimonies of people going overseas, missionaries, and they were somewhere just praying in the spirit a little bit aud audible. And somebody walked by and said, hey, thank you for saying that to me. And they said, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't speak your language. They said, no, but when you, were, when you were praying over there, I heard exactly our language and God was speaking to me. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just say, if God can split the Red Sea... If he can walk on water, he can allow us to speak in another heavenly language. And so there's that part of it. There's that part that can happen. And so uh, Jesus said this. It's actually a sign. These are a sign of the believers. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. Is this a special group of people, right? Only the elect? No, it's who believes. And he says this, look, In my name they will cast out de demons. I hope you come for no other name. That's going to be our series right after Easter. But you have the power of the name of Jesus that is the name above every name that we can use and it is at our disposal. And he says, in my name, they will cast out demons. And listen, what do believers do? They will speak in new tongues. It's just for believers, for those who believe, just like you receive salvation. So now, right, there's different dialects that can happen. That, and here's another, here's another manifestation. Here's another how it works. For you and I, we can pray in the spirit. 
We can pray in tongues. And it's just another way that tongues is used. We pray in tongues. When you pray in tongues, it's your spirit praying. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, it says, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So when I am praying in tongues, what is happening? My spirit is praying. But guess what is not praying? My mind. Now, this is hard for people who are control freaks. Because if you and you are very intellectual, you have to figure everything out. You got to know everything. The Bible says when your spirit prays, your mind is unfruitful. Now, let me just say, when your spirit prays, it is praying the perfect prayer to God. I'm going to show you that in the scriptures. So here I am praying, and it is praying the perfect prayer to God. I want to submit to you. It is good sometimes that you don't know what you're praying for. See, God knows what's going to happen next week. God knows the car accidents that he's going to help you avoid. God knows all of those things. But you know what? You may not know that now. You may not even know what to pray for next week. But when you pray in the spirit, what's happening is you are praying the perfect prayer to God. Right? Because if you knew that next week there could be a possible accident, you probably wouldn't go anywhere. You would stay inside your house. So it's good sometimes that you don't know what you're praying for and your spirit begins to pray because he will make the perfect prayer for whatever you need. But not only that, as we pray in the spirit, guess what? We are getting a sense of who the Holy Spirit is and we can speak to him and he'll speak to you. And so now we understand that praying in tongues is what we call praying in the spirit. Now, Paul said this, it's important. So should we just pray in the spirit and not pray in our understanding? No, Paul said, look, I pray with both. He said, I pray with my mind. He said, I pray those, but there's gonna be times where you don't know what to pray. So guess what? You pray in the spirit. I pray with my mind. I pray in my understanding every day and I also pray in the spirit every day. I just do it. When I'm doing the dishes, I pray in the spirit. Listen, you don't have to yell. You don't have to freak out your neighbors. Sometimes I just do it under my breath and I pray in the spirit. I pray in the spirit when I'm driving. I pray in the spirit when I'm throwing out the trash. I just do it because it's so important. You don't need a church service. God is always with you. And then it says this, look, not only when we pray, look at this, when you pray in the spirit, we talked about this last week, it helps your weaknesses. It helps your weaknesses. Listen, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Why? The Holy Spirit, rewind to last week, right? The Holy Spirit is our what? Our helper. And so likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings. That's speaking in tongues groanings that cannot be uttered. And now he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now watch this. For maybe for many of us, let me make it twofold. Sometimes you don't know what to pray. Have you ever had times in your life you're like, man, I don't know what the will of God is. And I'm not talking about salvation or healing. I'm talking about like, man, you're going to go to college and you're like, man, what is it this college or is it this college? Or when you're single, is it this person or this? You don't know what the will of God is. The Bible says that when the spirit prays, he prays the perfect will of God for you, even when you don't know what to pray. 
I don't know to take this job, Pastor Phil. I don't know to take this job. You know what you do? Yeah, you can say, Lord, your will be done. But you can pray specifically in the spirit and God will lead you. Sometimes what he'll do is he'll shut one door and the other one will open wide open. But there's a praying in the spirit that prays the perfect will of God. Now, let me say this. There's a lot of things in our life that don't happen because we simply don't pray for it. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. If you're single in here, And you're like, well, I don't know when God's going to supply what you need to ask. God, send me. And then the Bible says you can pray a prayer of supplication. A prayer of supplication is specific needs. I had a list, people, when I was single. A list. It was like five things. Valerie had a list. Hers was 60. (laughs) And you know what was so awesome? She said, I filled every single one of them. Thank you, Lord. That just tells you he had to do a lot of work in me. But you know what? I prayed in the spirit. She prayed in the spirit and God brought us together. Why? Because he wants to help you. Now, when you pray in the spirit, I've been saying this throughout this series because it's so important. I hope this helps you. God wants us to move from just being a head knowledge, right, to a spirit. When you come in and you worship, it's not just, yeah, I like that song. Ooh, I got some goose pimples. That was good. No, it comes to my spirit now is connecting with God. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that means you just look, you close your eyes or you lift. I don't know what it looks like for you. My, you know what? And honestly, I don't care what it looks like. All I do care about is that you connect with the spirit of God. Don't worry about all the the reactions. Worry about, get concerned about connecting with him. Now, I've been saying this throughout the series, and I'm going to say it again. Not every need or not every hunger in you and my life is a physical hunger. Sometimes the hunger that you have is a spiritual hunger that you have. And if we are not careful, we try to fill a spiritual hunger with a physical thing. Let me give you an example and I will prove it to you biblically. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18 says this, maybe this is your weakness. Pastor Phil, I like a little wine. I like a little dose equis. I like a little Jim Bean every once in a while, right? But every once in a while, you know, it goes a little too far. Now listen, listen to what the Bible says and listen to the correlation. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Be not drunk with wine in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So your craving for wine may not be a craving for wine. Maybe what you need to do is start praying in the Spirit. Right? Not praying in the spirit. You know what's funny? Is that when they came out of the upper room, they were speaking in other tongues. And people were like, ah, they are drunk. Do you know that the correlations are the same? The characteristics are the same of people being drunk and being filled with the spirit? Because guess what? When you are drunk, you are bold. I hear people tell me, oh, man, if I could just get a couple beers in me, you should see me when I'm drunk. I'm a whole different person. And I look at him and I go, yeah, you may need a couple. You're pretty boring. <laughs> no, I don't say that. I think that. But I sometimes say, yeah, you definitely need something. But guess what? When they came out of the upper room, they were loud. 
They were bold. They didn't care what people thought. Have you ever paid good seat at a sporting event and you have a drunk person in front of you and they ruin the whole thing? You know why? Because they don't give a flying flip about you because they're going to drink and they're going to have a great time. But you know what? When you get filled with God's spirit, there is a boldness that comes on your life. You don't care about what other people think. And the Bible says, you know what the antidote to your drinking problem is? The antidote for your drinking problem is to be filled with the spirit. Come on, let's give him a good round of applause. Because not every hunger is a physical hunger. See, listen, your spirit craves spirit. I'm learning this. Even sometimes I've been skipping some meals here and there, fasting a little bit, because not every hunger in my stomach comes from my stomach. A lot of the hunger that happens in my life is coming from my spirit wants to grow, wants to push you to that next level, wants to, but you know what? A lot of times we just fill ourselves with stuff and we don't take a moment and say, hey God, what are you trying to do here? The purpose of fasting is to do without something so you can recognize God's spirit. So you can push the noise away, push the food away and say, God, I want to hear you. Put down the volume of everything else. And if that means taking away some food, and saying for, hey, listen, the next two or three days we did it. I always do it at the beginning of the, of the, of the year. Man, I, it's hard. It's hard because my body is so used to. But you know what? What I do, instead of eating, I pray in the spirit. And, you know, it builds you up. It builds you up. It builds you up. And it makes you courageous. And it's funny. I just think it's so funny that the characteristics of being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit are exactly the same. Now, Let me just preface this. The Bible doesn't say that we shouldn't drink. The Bible says actually that a little wine is good for your belly. I do not drink. I don't like it. I do not acquire the taste. But the Bible says when you get drunk, it is a sin. But I just want to tell you that today that there is an antidote and it is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me encourage you this. There should be nothing in our lives that master us. Paul said, I am mastered by nothing but him. And so if you have to have a drink every single day, then listen, something is mastering you. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't come here today to put out an alcohol because I'm telling, I'm talking to a, you're talking to a person who used to drink like four Diet Cokes a day. And my wife kind of looked at me and said, and she just said, Hey, you're drinking four Diet Cokes a day. That is not good for you. So it's not just about alcohol, right? And sometimes your wife, I would say 99% of the time, your wife is the voice of the Holy Spirit to you. And if she committed her life to you, right, we should listen to them. I mean, if someone's going to commit their life to you, then you probably should give them some influence. Amen, right? Are you glad you came to church today? I don't know. I'm glad. I think I'm going to come back next week. Listen. So be filled. Be filled. Maybe you're here, you feel empty. You don't know why. You need to be filled. And then praying in the spirit, it edifies you. It builds you up. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse four says this. Anyone in the King James says, anyone who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies themselves. One translation says this, it builds you up. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there may be times in your life where nobody is there to edify you. Nobody is there to build you up. Guess what? You're gonna have to build yourself up in the spirit. You're gonna have to edify yourself by speaking in tongues. And the Bible says when you do that, it builds you 
up. It edifies you. Listen, if nobody edifies you, you edify you. David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. I like to say it this way. I am my own party. Come on, somebody. And I don't need your encouragement. And if I don't get it, that's fine. I'm going to build myself up. I'm going to build myself up. Now, you need to also know when you pray in tongues, you pray directly to God. It's a direct direct prayer to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, it says this. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And so as I speak to God in an unknown tongue, yeah, I don't understand what I'm praying. But listen, either does the devil. And so as I'm praying, I'm praying directly to God. Directly to God. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 also talks about praying in the spirit. It says, but you beloved, building yourself up, watch this, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so we know that praying in the Holy Spirit is praying in the spirit. And that means I can speak in, through tongues. My spirit, listen, is being built up on my most holy faith. Most holy faith. If you are believing for something, don't just believe in your head. Build yourself up in the spirit because it is the most holy faith. When we, before we moved here, we prayed. We prayed and we believed God and we I mean, I, I prayed in the spirit a lot because it's the most holy faith. There's sometimes I'll pray for my son, put my hands on him. I rebuke sickness and disease. And then I pray in the spirit over him because you know what? It is my most holy faith when I pray and I speak in tongues. And let me just close with this because there's another way that the Holy Spirit moves. And if you want to say that this is shown or it, tongues may manifest itself, Paul calls it the gift of tongues. Now, there's one gift, and that is the Holy Spirit. But the manifestation, the way that it shows itself, we said it's through a dialect, right? People came out. They heard it in their own dialect. You can pray in the Spirit. But then there's also a public way of tongues that is used. And somebody asked me, well, Pastor Phil, if I pray in the Spirit at home, don't I need an interpretation? No. The only time that there is an interpretation needed is when it is done publicly. And when there is a, a group of people coming together and someone, you know, shouts out loud in tongues, then there needs to be an interpretation. Now, let me say this. There are times when if you are praying in the Spirit, I pray in the Spirit and then I listen. Somebody told me yesterday, Pastor Phil, I love this series. I said, well, what are you getting out of it? He said this, I just need to listen more. And you know what? You're right. Because we talk way too much. And we don't hear God's voice a lot. And so I pray in the spirit. And guess what? I just wait, see what God wants to do. Sometimes after I pray in the spirit, I know exactly what he wants me to do. So to me, that's an interpretation. He'll show me. He'll show me right away. But here's the thing. In a public use, when there's a service or something and somebody starts to speak in tongues, there needs to be an interpretation, especially if there's unbelievers there. Because unbelievers don't, I don't know what you're saying. You may be yelling out in tongues like, okay, well, I don't know what he's saying, right? Because we don't know. The Bible says that's when an interpretation is needed. Does everybody understand that? But let me close with this because it's real important. All of these things that we talked about today, just like salvation is received by faith. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 